Hey everybody, what's going on? Jordy Cannell here. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of the podcast. It is myself and Greg Piatelli breaking down the entire first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. We look at key matchups, key storylines, everything for all eight series. This one was a lot of fun to record. Cannot wait to hear what you guys think. As always, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast. Search the bullpen card on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Mash that subscribe button. Leave a nice five-star review. We'll give you a shout-out on the show. Follow us on Twitter. ThunderBLG is the handle there. Follow us on Instagram, Thunderblog Sports. Join our Facebook group, The Bullpen Cart Podcast. Be a part of the conversation. But enjoy this episode, everybody. I hope it's as fun as the five-overtime game between the Lightning and the Blue Jackets. And here we go. Welcome to this episode of the podcast, Blue Line Icing, first round preview here on the Bullpen Card podcast feed. I, of course, am the G-Man, Jordy Cannell. Joining me, as always, is my man, Greg Piatelli, all the way from Boston. How are you, my friend? Jordy, today was day one of the NHL playoffs, the real playoffs, the ones that matter, and... uh, to say it delivered is an understatement. The very first game of the night ended up going so, so long they canceled the next game, uh, and we had an upset in the Western Conference, and the other game's happening now. So it's it's been a wild and great start to the actual playoffs, the NHL. And uh, yesterday the Rangers got the number one overall pick. Back to back, last year they had number two, this year they have one. So it's... Uh, the NHL is looking good. College football, not great. I mean, if NHL looking good. Yeah, it's been you, pretty wild. How are you doing? Oh, I'm good, man. I'm really good. Like you mentioned, we had a five-overtime game. And this incredible tweet encompassing it. This is before the, the Lightning even scored the goal. Events that happened during the Columbus Flavortown, for those of you uh, anticipating the change, versus Tampa game. The Big Ten postponed fall sports. The Pac-12 postponed fall sports. Joe Biden announced Kamala Harris as his running mate. The ACC and SEC released fall sports updates. And the guy who tweeted this apparently ate multiple meals, which he must live on the <laughs> West Coast because the game started at 3 o'clock. So I don't know if he ate a late lunch. But this yeah, was – it was nuts. It ended, after, it ended around 9.30 Eastern, started at 3 p.m. And – we're going to get to like to previewing the rest of this, but Eunice Corposalo sets an NHL record, 85 saves on 88 shots. Braden Point ends up with two goals, crazily, that you know there's only five goals scored in the game, and this guy ends up with two of them. Kind of a wild fi- final goal, but uh, I mean, what a game. A lot of great defensive hockey. Both of these teams showed up to play, and I have a feeling that we'll talk about some rest and rust stuff of the round robin teams versus the guys who played in the qualifier. But these guys matched intensity, which you maybe thought it of this series of revenge versus we want to do it a second time. You know, the rematch obviously of last year of the historic Tampa team and Columbus upsetting them, but it was an incredible first game. Yeah. And, and like you said, this uh, such a deeper meaning based on last year, because Tampa was the number one seed and, and the, 
broke all the regular season records, et cetera, as we've talked about, and came out and got swept by Columbus in the first round. So this was sort of their, I don't want to say their statement game, but this is their chance to have redemption. And while well, it took them five overtimes, eight periods, um, you know, two two games plus, you know, in the, in the middle of the second period on the third game. But while it took them eight periods essentially to do it, they, they won, they were – dominant all five overtimes from the, you know, you don't get close to 90 shots versus 60 shots without being the more dominant team. Uh, Columbus really only had one or two real opportunities at it. And, and Tampa was just really dominating and had, and had the puck in the offensive zone the majority of the time. So it was, I guess the better team won tonight, if you will. Um, but that, that young goalie there for Columbus, Jordy nickname Elvis, correct? No, Elvis is their other goalie. They have, Corpus, they have Jonas Corposalo, who is Bob's backup. And then Elvis Merzlikas is their current backup, who, when Corposalo was banged up, stepped in and set all these different rookie records. So they, I mean, they you saw this in their first-round matchup against Toronto, of that Corposalo was the guy. They went to him. And then only after they were down 3-0 in Game 3 against Toronto, they go to Elvis. Elvis stands on his head. And they go right back to Corposalo in game four. And this, you know, the reverse happens there. But this guy is really good. And this was something that they talked about of how screwed were they in, lo- in losing Bobrovsky. And I'm sure we'll make a quick follow-up to, to Florida. You and I obviously talked about it a lot offline in between the last podcast and now of how bad a lot of the goals Bobrovsky let in. But... Corpusalo, he, not to bring video games in this, but he was always highly touted that way. He always had a good prospect ranking. So if you, you know, if you're a Columbus fan, this shouldn't be that surprising to you to see him. I mean, set an NHL record. You should be surprised by that. You shouldn't be thinking that guy's going out and making 85 saves a game. But this shouldn't surprise you that he can step up to the plate against the best, one of the best scoring offenses in the NHL. So really good for him that he kind of he comes out, makes a statement name for himself. I don't know how this ser- the rest of the series will go. I think this is one of the more intriguing matchups partially because of the impact that last year will have had on this, because of what these two teams bring in, the guts, grit, whatever you want to call it that that Torts brings to that Columbus squad. It's going to be You know, fun. Jordy Jordy, not to cut you off, but this is a preview pod, not a not a reaction to the game. I know it's hard because yeah, you just watched it. Tough. We just watched however, it. however, that game was so memorable. I don't want people to be upset because we were reacting to it, but that was the third or fourth longest game in, in NHL history. So how can you not instant react to it? So I feel like it would be haters, irresponsible for us to not react. Exactly. For those haters, go screw. But Jordy, let's get into the matchups. Do you want to start in the East or the West? Let's start in the East. We'll go East-West because um, I'm sure we've gotten some feedback of, of wanting to hear about our teams. So I feel like we should talk about the Eastern Conference teams, All right. the Flyers so, and the Bruins are. So one, uh, number one, Philadelphia Flyers winning all three games in, in the in the, in the play and whatever you want to call it, which I called from the – replay the tape, go back. I called – I said all they do is beat the Bruins – and there's a cakewalk from there versus the number 12 Montreal Canadiens who stunned and upset the Pittsburgh Penguins. Jordy, 
unbiased, does this game, does this series go six, seven, five, four? Who wins? So I don't normally pick with Philly. Uh, Philly teams, if you listen to our football show, don't pick when the Eagles are in it. So I'm not going to give an official pick, but I do think this at least goes six. Unbiasedly, I think Montreal should not be trifled with and thought of lightly. A preview that I read or listened to, I've, I've consumed a lot of preview coverage in the last couple of days, pointed out that Montreal is still playing with zero expectations, especially now that the first pick has come and gone. They didn't get Lafreniere. You mentioned it, that the Rangers did. Uh, and, and you know what? The Rangers got swept. They're the only team who didn't win a game, so good for the Rangers. Montreal, though, and they showed that these vets still have it. This is something that everybody and their mom was saying, that if Carey Price stood on his head, they could upset the Penguins. What a lot of people weren't talking about was if Shea Weber looks like even a fraction of the greatest defenseman in the NHL, Shea Weber, that we saw five years ago. And that's what he did against the Penguins. He had a couple crucial goals. He really stepped up. They have these. They have a lot of forwards, guys that you've heard of, guys that you haven't, who stepped up big time. And they really, you know, it, they should not be thought of lightly. Um, I'm saying this both as a Flyers fan and objectively. Now on the Flyers side, they looked really good in the in these, you know, three round robin games in the qualifying round and all that good stuff. Um, but that being said, you know, it was the qualifying round. And it's it's nice that they're now the number one seed and all that sort of stuff. Um, but there's still a lot of work to do. You cannot think that this is any sort of cakewalk. Carter Hart looked really good in the first round. And Greg, I think to just take a step back to just the playoffs, at least the first round in general, what's so interesting, we mentioned it with Columbus and Tampa. There's a an overarching story for almost every matchup, especially in the Eastern Conference, there definitely is, of whether it's Carey Price or Carter Hart going against his idol in Carey Price, the rematch of last year, the upset of, of Columbus over Tampa Bay, Barry Trotz versus the Washington Capitals, or the rematch from a year ago of, uh, of the Bruins and Carolina, Carolina looking like a team that they want to prove. I think that's awesome. Now, that being said, with the Flyers, they looked really good. Some positives, if you want to call them that, to, to think about Claude Giroux, zero goals Sean Couturier, zero goals Travis Kenkney had that one goal towards the end of the uh, the third game against Tampa Bay on Saturday night no power play goals either about a year and a half ago, Greg if you had told me that the Flyers had zero power play goals, I would have thought they scored zero goals across three games because there was a time that you could not buy a 5-on-5 five -five goal from the Philadelphia Flyers and all of them were from 5-on-5 five -five play um, they, I think 90% on the penalty kill, which is, you know, they have a solid penalty kill anyway, but, um, especially when Sean Couturier is taking some penalties like he did in the round robin, the fact that they're still able to, to go at that sort of clip is a positive, And I feel like that, that, that should remain. Um, that being said, Montreal, zero, zero power play goals on their side. I feel like that has to change for both sides. Thomas Tatar, a guy who can really take over a game if he gets hot and if the Flyers aren't careful, a young, deep defensive core. We talked about it in the previous preview. Uh, but if they, you know, if they start trying to really out, you know, outpunch their weight class, whatever the phrase you want to use, guys like Tatar, guys like Shea Weber, these guys that have experience in the playoffs, they may really, you know, they, they might be able to if the Flyers get a little too overconfident. So this is not a series that I think is any sort of cakewalk, both objectively and subjectively as a Flyers fan. Yeah, and... and 
the only thing I'll say is Pittsburgh is not as deep as Philadelphia in terms of their forward depth. Uh, and even you could argue in their defensive depth. Montreal, that that Claude Julian defensive style, you know, stop it and counterattack, sort of that. Again, the 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 Carolina, the the Columbus, this this is clearly working for these teams, right? They're all doing the same thing. They're all making it far in the playoffs and being a challenging out and a grinding out. And when you have a goalie like Carey Price with the reputation that Carey Price has, I don't want to say it's easy to play that strategy, but it certainly makes things easier for the Canadians and, and stopping some big names like Pittsburgh and for Philly, which I know you don't want to hear, but despite whatever, what I said, <laughs> the, the Bruins, the lightning and Lord knows the capitals clearly did not put too much stock in those first round as much stock as, as the Flyers. No, I agree did. I think, with you. I think the Flyers are the most to prove, and I think it showed in the fact that the Flyers played everyone. They they had some interesting matchups. They were, you know, we with you know they were with the exception of uh, Voracek who wasn't available for the last game, but they they virtually played everyone. They they were like I said the most to prove. They wanted to go out and show they weren't just a fluke team that got hot and squeaked in a fourth playoff spot. And the Bruins have come out and said that they treated it as exhibition. The headman sat for Tampa. You know, they had a bunch of people sit. And, and then you turn around and, and Ovechkin looked like he was out to lunch. He didn't even look like he was trying, really. And, and I think the Flyers went balls to the wall and, and got the – whatever, got first place and were rewarded for it. However, I don't know if you can put too much stock into – that first round or what the qualifying round, whatever it was, like I said, just because, you know, they, they were the only team that, that went again, boss wall the whole time. And so, but for this, but for this specific thing, I think for the flyers, what I need to see, you know, I mean, yeah, I, I believe they'll win in six or five or six, but what I need to see from the flyers is when things aren't going well, right. With these young forwards, all all these young guys in their team, little to no experience in the playoffs, what are they going to do when Carey Price stands on his head and shuts them out for game one and game, or they score one goal in game one and two, or you know they they score two goals in game one, one goal in game two, all of a sudden they they're one on one series, they're not scoring goals, they only have three goals. What like how are they going to respond as a team? And that's what I think you will tell where this Philadelphia Flyers team will go this, this playoffs, because that's the makeup of a good championship team is evil is game to game, right? Yes, yes. You got blown out in one game. You had a bad one game, but can, you know, forget about it, move on. It's, it's the next game. And the teams that win, the teams are able to forget about it. Yep. Do well versus, you know, teams like you saw in the Bruins with the Stanley cup last year, they got shut out by Bennington game six, come back game seven or whatever, five and six. And Bennington was in his head in their heads so it's like and then tim thomas with vancouver it's just one of those things where if you go up against a hot goalie you just assume that he's going to stop you so i don't know if the young guys they'll get out of this round but i don't know if the young guys will be able to respond how they will respond when a carry price stops them and then 
next round when they start playing better teams that actually have as much depth as they do. They're going to think they're better than the Lightning. They're going to think they're better than all these teams who didn't try as hard, and then they go in and get stomped on game one or two. You know, you never know what's going to happen. Uh, you hope that some of the leaders like like Giroux and, and Hayes will be able to prevent that, but you really never know until it happens. So yeah, um, I that that guys on his opinion about the flyers is is sure they look good everyone can say what they want but it's hard to put stock in it when again the bruins have come out and basically said that they treat it as a joke the lightning have said something similar and, and ovechkin and, and it didn't even look like he was touching a stick You're like please re- reconnect controller just like we we've where you come to a custom with ovechkin <laughs> i thought you were about to say come to come to a custom with uh some of our friends from high school but <laughs> a couple things. You mentioned Hedman. Hedman missed time against the Flyers because he twisted his ankle. Uh, but to reply to to actually reply to some of the stuff he said, in defense now as a Flyers fan of the when you aren't scoring, things are going completely wrong. The thing that immediately comes to my head was there was a game. Let's call it February fifth. Maybe February. Yeah, February see, you can't put you can't put stock in that. It has to be. It has to, to me. It has to be playoffs. I I agree with you, but this is my thought on it, and I I get it, and I I agree with you actually about the about the round robin and people freaking out about one seed and all that sort of stuff. It's a you know it's not a fugazi, but it's it's a whatever one seed. It was just basically this is for seeding now. But the point I was making from February was they got shut out and embarrassed on home ice against the Devils. A terrible team from this year. They lose five nothing. Two nights later, they go to Washington to play a Capitals team that's steamrolling. Ovechkin's looking for a seven hundredth goal, and the Flyers completely stifle them and and play well on national television. So I know it's not the playoffs, and that is a completely different beast. And I agree with you that that if they do lose in some sort of embarrassing fashion, which the last time the Flyers were in the playoffs, that's what happened, and they actually did bounce back to win Game Two against the Penguins. But I want to see that. I want to see when things aren't going well. And that was part of why I brought up the zero goals from Giroux. Voracek was out with an undisclosed injury. He's been skating. It will be a game-time decision tomorrow night of what he's doing, which actually kind of worked out a little bit in the Flyers' favor because, well, they went balls to the wall with it. AV did make some interesting depth moves. JVR was scratched for a couple games. He came in in that third game against the Lightning. Looked great. Shane Gossespierre, guy we talked about last time, was scratched for the first couple games, comes in against the Lightning, and is able to put up two points. He he has himself a great game there. So there is that. There are these guys, the Flyers, who are chomping at the bit that if a guy is either unavailable to play or AV scratches a guy who maybe had a you know slow game and wants to put him in, a JVR, a Shane Gossespierre, a Morgan Frost has seen zero minutes, but a Morgan Frost, these these sort of guys, that it seems like that they're ready to go. Again, they, you know, th- there were different mindsets in, in the round robin, like you said, but it feels like a lot of these guys are chomping at the bit and ready to go, and I think that's the, that's, granted, that that's great and everything, and, and like you said, it's not about how hard you can get hit, it's about hard, it's about responding to getting punched as hard as the other person can and seeing how they go. Yeah. And, and again, seems like in actuality, you know, it's, it's last year. I mean, not to bring everything back to the Bruins, but the Bruins young guys and DeBrusque and, and whatever Heinen came into the playoffs, super hot 
on a tear and then got pushed around by a physical defensive minded Columbus team team and, and yeah, Toronto that, and so that's one thing I think is in the Flyers favor sorry for interrupting virtually you. right they, so so the Capitals came out wanting to play that sort of game and the Flyers mainly Kevin Hayes but a lot of the Flyers players Nico Bakubel did the same thing against the against the Lightning and they they played physical ball or physical puck I guess but they they are able to step into that regard not as well as some other teams really took a punch from somebody mainly the Carolina Hurricanes, when the when New York thought the only way we're going to win this is if we get totally physical. And Carolina basically said, is that your best punch? And threw it right back at him. But the Flyers did a pretty good job of, of responding to that. Uh, you Again, it comes back to that was preseason games. It was, it was, can you put a lot of stock into it? And again, I'm picking the Flyers in six. I just... No, no, I, I totally get what you're saying. I feel like we're gonna I just, have the same conversation. I, no, it, it's just it's just a matter of like when Carey Price shuts them out in game one or game two or game you know you know it's coming at some point in the series. Yeah. At least he shuts them on the first two periods. What are they gonna do in the third? Are they gonna crumble and let and let Galchenyuk and all these other annoying little Galchenyuk, players? Galchenyuk is long gone. I know. Yeah, but, long gone. <laughs> I know, but my point is, the point is, the point's the same. Are they going to let these little, these little, that's, so the, the Canadians being the big Bruins rival. No, and that's, it's, he, it's good he, to get your, he's, he's, he's the, he's the, the Derek Jeter forever, you know, the forever name that you'll always say, if you will, to me, cause he's a scumbag. No, anyway, <laughs> sorry. The Max, the Max, the Max Pacioretty. No, that's a really good point. Pacioretty is on that team and could do – or no, he's on – no, never mind. He's on Vegas. That's um, what I mean. He, but yeah. I'm saying it's that same – That for me, it's that same claw. Anyway, but the, the point is that, you know, how, the Flyers – my biggest fear and problem with them is that they're going to go in thinking one thing and, and the media thinks one thing because all these expectations, you know, everything that happened in the first – or the qualifying round, whatever you want to call it, not actual playoffs, but – well, that's... They, they, they are they going to believe their hype? Is the leadership and the coaching staff good enough to prevent them from reading their own clippings, or are they going to fall victim to? Oh, we just smoked Boston, Tampa, and 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 the Capitals, and not really take stock in the fact that the Bruins players have all come out and said it was a joke. The Lightning have said it was a joke, and obviously the Capitals, some of the Capitals felt the same way. So, where where? Where where's the Philly locker room going to be? And you and I don't know that, so it's pointless for, yeah. to, for us to talk about it. But the, that to me is the difference maker and where we go. So I will say, Jordy. for how much they want to say it's a joke, Kucherov was all alone with Carter Hart. Carter Hart made a great save. There were some quality chances the Bruins had, which Carter Hart made some saves. And Brian Elliott, who gets a lot of heat from me and various other people that I either shared season tickets with or watch a lot of games with looked very good against some of those players. I get what you mean, that they're coming out and saying it. It's frankly easier to say that post-game than pre-game. But I totally agree with you. It's a, for all intents and purposes, Fugazi one seed. The people who were freaking out on Twitter on Saturday night either hadn't watched a Flyers game pre-round robin shit, pre-COVID, or completely forgot the start of the season where they looked like they could barely fucking tie their skates or even the start of 2020 
where they're on that West Coast trip and could barely buy a goal. So I'm on the same page with you of how are they going to respond to it, but I just had to respond there. Yeah, and I I don't know. There's a lot more than just fake fans who are commenting about how, how excited they are about the Flyers, Jordy. No, there's some fly, but, there's some like serious Flyers Twitter people who got very got very up in their bridges on Saturday night. So you're right, but the point is that they do look good. And they they did look good, I should say. Um, everyone's talking about their depth, but their depth is young, right? Uh, so how will those young guys? What scares me is their back end a little bit. Yes, Carter Hart, you know, rookie goalies. We've seen it before. Second year goalie. Uh, rookie goalies we've seen before, young guys. Brian Elliott's last also like year, etc. I don't know what I don't know what you're talking about there. Um, um, what do you mean? I'm talking about Bennington last year, winning the cup as a rookie, and uh, oh, I see what you mean. And Carter Hart being uh, just as young, and if not age-wise younger, and and then you talk about the kid uh, uh, Pittsburgh who came in for Mark Andre Fleury. Same as a rookie, Murray, sec- Murray came in a second year player, one, etc. So it's like it's been done before. Young goalies are are dumb enough to to believe they can do anything, which Carter is Hart awesome. Is anything but dumb. You know what I'm saying is that I know. they are. I know. I'm getting defensive. so. Then why would you say that? Why would you say that then? If you knew what I was saying, why would you say that? I I'm getting defensive. I'm getting defensive. The point is that he's a, he's our are, baby, Greg. He is my baby. But okay, so he's, he's. Do you have a drunken? He, he pic- do you have a picture of a momentum. drunken you hugging the Flyers team photo, Flyers team headshots of me? No, I hate. Why would I do that? I do not are like the, the Bruins. Flyers. Are the Bruins team headshots? At a at a Celtics game, because I did that with the Flyers. I made Emily take a picture of me hugging the Flyers team roster, mainly the Carter Hart headshot, saying he's our baby. Because he is. Anyway, you wanted to move on. 2-7 matchup. We just talked about the first game. Tampa-Columbus. Two, 2 versus 9. Yeah, I, Technically, they got reseeded to the 7, and Montreal's technically the 8. But you're right, 2 versus 9. Tampa-Columbus. Tampa won the first game in five overtimes, as we led the show off with. Greg, does Tampa winning the first game change any of your thoughts about this series? No. No, I, I always felt... Losing Panarin as Columbus, losing Panarin, Duchesne, that's hard. That's a lot of offense to to replace, and a big reason why they did so well last year. Columbus, yes, their style of play, yes, their goaltending from Bobrovsky, but it's also the fact they can score goals pretty easily. Not to say they can't do it now, but uh, they generated little to no to zero offense in the overtime games today and, and they did well in the first period and, and a little bit of the second generating, but I mean, you don't get outshot 90 to 60 without, you know, it, that's 30, goal, that's a 30 shot difference in, in five overtimes. That's crazy. So to me, I feel like the advantage has to go to Tampa just because of their depth top to bottom. I was to the same thing last year. Um, and I think, Tampa is a chip on their shoulder. They have something to prove. They, I don't want to say they wanted this matchup and the reason why they lost to the Flyers in the last game because they wanted Columbus in the first round to spell all the rumors. But they they definitely wanted to see them just so they could make up and atone for last year's loss. 
So from the beginning, I was going to say Flyers. I mean, um, sorry, Tampa Bay. But I think it goes six or seven. I think it's a dogfight for sure based on – I mean, today's today's game, five overtime, proved even more. It's maybe still be a dogfight, but more than just a sweep. But I think it's uh, it's a close one, but I think Tampa wins. No, I totally agree with you. I think Tampa wins. I had thought in seven – before this game, and I, I think it it kind of shows that this is going to be a dogfight, like you said. Um, Columbus is a well-coached team. I think Tortorella, after the first round or qualifying round matchup with Toronto, almost sealed it. I know, you know, Cassian or Cassidy, excuse me, did a you know has done a very good job with the Bruins. Av's done a good job with the Flyers. I just feel like seeing that three zero comeback, seeing how well he had them after they blew a 3-0 lead, come back and shut out Toronto to close out that series and keeps them in this whole thing, you know, through five overtimes against an, an offense that, frankly, like you mentioned, they sh- they shot them, outshot them by 50%, basically. And Columbus hung in there. And, you know, so I, I I think there's that, and I feel like that that's good for a couple games. I feel like there's something in there that, that Tampa – isn't going to let this thing get out of hand. So six might be the number. I don't think five is because of a, how well Corpus Allo played B how well their top half of their lineup is guys like a Seth Jones Dubois has just proven to be a star in the making an awesome player for Columbus. But then they have all these different dudes that can step up and really get it done. Whether it's Feligno, whether it's, a number of different guys, and I know I just nipped off one, but I don't know. I, I, I feel like that's good for at least a game or two, it, but Tampa's not going to let this thing get out of them. I'm going to say in seven, but I wouldn't be surprised to see it in six. If it is in five, it's because this five-overtime game broke the Blue Jackets from trying to hold on there, but I think the reverse just happened. I think they now know in their heads that any thought that last year might have been a fluke wasn't and they can hang around with with the NHL's best. Yeah, and I think fatigue comes into a little bit because they were the only series that won five games. They had an overtime and a couple overtimes or whatever versus Toronto. They played this game. They're coming on, and then they have another game uh, Wednesday or Thursday. Quick Thursday, turnaround. Yeah. They're gonna get two. They're gonna get a day off. Yeah, quick turnaround. So. That is the only thing that I could see being a problem for them is the quick turnaround. But my favorite player, well, not my favorite player, but one of the best defensemen in my opinion in the NHL right now is Seth Jones Oh yeah, for Columbus. And he did a great job versus Kucherov line and really keeping Kucherov in check a little bit. Um, obviously, Kucherov, they're uh, their Braden um, pointed two goals, Kucherov's line mate, but uh, one of those is like a tip in and the other one was a crazy little deflection as all, I mean, uh, a quick shot as all, through a screen as, as all overtime goals to be some sort of crazy fluke, but yeah, let's move on. That's, uh, to me, that's it. No, I agree. Uh, three, six matchup. It is three, seven, three, seven. Okay. <laughs> they technically got reseeded Washington versus the Islanders. We mentioned it earlier. Barry Trotz, the coach of the New York Islanders, formerly 
of the Washington Capitals, won a Stanley Cup with them. We talked about it a little bit with Montreal in that style that Claude Julien plays. Barry Trotz put it on display in the first round. The fact that Florida rattled off a win against the Islanders was surprising, I think, because of how bad they played in their first two games. The fact they showed some fight to push it to a fourth game, uh, you know, I guess is is good because you're spending all that money for Bob and a number of different players. But the Islanders, they've made a lot of great moves, a lot of subtle moves, even in, even in terms of trading. They don't really go over any sort of bounds anywhere over their skis to try to overpay and assets, whether it's players, draft picks, whatever, to get guys. Kind of the reverse of what the Islanders have done in the past. Or when they sell guys. Uh, Zidane Chara being one of those thoughts. Um, that being said, the Capitals come in. You mentioned it. They did not look great in the first couple games. The fact that they did rattle off the win against the Bruins shocks me. I thought they were a clear fourth team. Thought that the Flyers would beat them and then wouldn't beat Boston and Tampa. Don't need to rehash that. But I do think they are the fourth best of the round-robin teams. I think this is going to be pretty close because of how well defensively that Islanders team can play. I know that their games in the, in the regular season have been close. And that the Islanders, frankly, we think of them as this defensive team, but if, if they go off offensively, they can put up some goals against you. And Holtby has seen his moments of letting up a lot of goals. So I, I think this is going to be a really good, really good series. I like the Capitals ultimately, but I think it's going to go the distance. I think seven games for the Capitals here. Yeah, and I think the big difference is, I mean, I said it going in, the Capitals are never a team that's that start out strong, right? They're never a team that start well. And the fact they took the round robin as a joke and lack of intensity and the fact that they were content just playing around and the fact the Islanders are were in a win it all win or go home scenario just adds to that at least for the first game or first period that level of can is there a switch can the capitals just turn it on like that on paper you know the capitals should on paper win but just based on skill but there's so many other factors that come into it coaching like you mentioned revenge factor all this you know this is also the matchup where the Islanders are the hot team, right? It's like the Blackhawks over the Oilers. That was like what everyone was picking. Obviously, the Blackhawks, that happened. But this is sort of that. The Islanders over Capitals seems to be the the hot pick, the upset um, that people want to pick. I, too, myself, am probably picking it, and I think I'm doing Isles and Six. Okay. Uh, I think um, – Washington's power play got so much better with, with Kovalchuk and obviously Ovechkin, but if the Islanders can stay out of the penalty box and they continue to get the strong goaltending that they got in the first round and, and even during the regular season, I think there's enough, like you said, they, they have some guys and skill um, on offense with Barzell and Everly and Islanders lead that, that can really score some goals. Um, so I think I think they do it, but I think they get it done just for the, like I said, the X factors, the fact that the Islanders are, or the Capitals are a slow starting team and, and the Islanders are in playoff mode already. And, and is there that switch? If they, if the Capitals lose game one, can they really recover enough against the defensive minded team to, to win four versus three moving forward, you know? Yeah. I think 
one thing, and granted, this was a Barry Trotz coach team that that did this, but they have rallied back from being down in series before with a relatively similar lineup. I know, again, it was Barry Trotz coaching them and not their current coach. But they've done it before, and in, in, in one instance, they were down 2-0 to Columbus and ended up winning the Stanley Cup later that year. Same with, I don't think, they might have been down 3-2 against the Penguins, but they had a rally in that seventh game to end up winning that. Um, so there there is some precedent. Again, different, different regime, but there is that. That's why I think it's going the distance. I just feel like there's going to be these games where we're going to see, out of both teams, we're going to see different, almost like Jekyll and Hyde, squared on both sides of the ice so i just i feel like we're gonna have some some really diverse styles of game going out throughout this series because we could have a defensive slugfest where tom wilson has eight penalty minutes he takes a number of different minors and the islanders are just trying to keep you know they're staving off somebody and then in one game barzell goes off for the, for the islanders but ov's not letting the capitals get out of it I, I just think this is going to be a fun series to watch. This is probably the one that this or the next series we're going to talk about. The Bruins Hurricanes are the two that I'm the most excited to watch. Uh, and I know I'm saying that as a Flyers fan, but that's because I uh, am always nervous to watch Philadelphia sports play. So there's where I'm. Yeah, at. I just, I just think that, you know, this is that, that we talked about last series a little bit, that, that the physical team versus the young skill speed team, you know, we talked about with Minnesota and Vancouver in the last series and it turned out the young skill team in Vancouver ended up winning, but it's the young skill of, of the Islanders versus the physical. I mean, obviously Washington has some of the best skilled players in the world, but they're more physical. They're known for their, their grinding styles and taking advantage of retaliation penalties and, um, being physically beaten down, right? Scoring some goals late when when you're beaten down and, and yeah. they're still moving, they're just getting going. So, flashing, if you will, right? New NHL versus old NHL, and and it'll be interesting to see which prevails in this series. You think Capitals? I think Islanders. So there's good. We don't we don't agree. I love it, Jordy. Four versus six. Yeah, that's four versus five. They receive. <laughs> my voice isn't that high my voice isn't that high and i think you mentioned a little bit of the capitals you got cut off a little bit for the uh, for the listeners but to to make your to re-emphasize your point on the capitals guys like oshi guys like uh our friend jake's good friend garnet hathaway guys who actually uh could get physical it's gonna be a fun one but the four five the four six the bruins versus the hurricanes hurricanes sweep the rangers and now greg is this a? Uh, I'm gonna put this this way for you. Is this Boston versus a sea and earth type name where they swept their previous opponent and had a long time off? Boston, you know, had kind of a weird previous series or or period in the playoffs, like a uh, a 2007 World Series type of matchup. I don't know. I was trying to be fancy there. Is the fact that Carolina has been off for what will now have been a full week since they swept the Rangers. Is that bad for Carolina? Or do you think that they're going to, that they're going to step on the gas and get it going like they did against the Rangers? Cause they came out firing in all three games and really put down a team in the Rangers that had skill to be able to try to do it. And Panarin Zibanejad 
tried to go physical with guys like Tony D'Angelo and other guys trying to fight and get physical. The Bruins, I feel like, have those different skills to, to match up with that. What, where are you coming from both objectively as a hockey fan and then subjectively as a Bruins fan coming into this series? Yeah, no, I, I can speak without bias. I think if this was a normal playoff scenario and this was the second round like last year where, where Carolina or the third round, like where Carolina sat and waited for Boston while Boston was in the dogfight versus Columbus and, and Boston had all the momentum because they had played and Carolina was sitting on their asses and, you know, it's hard to flip a switch after a week. I would 100% agree saying that they had a disadvantage, but the difference is that this Carolina team played elimination games. They've been playing those high-intensity games versus high-intensity opponents. You could argue that the only high-intensity team the Bruins played was the first game they played against the Flyers when the Bruins had, like, Postmark has skated for two hours in the last three months, right? So, realistically, they haven't played an intense game in two weeks, that being the Bruins. So, to me, I just feel like both teams are in the same boat in terms of having multiple days off. Sure, there's something different between game speed and practice speed, but again, the fact that the Bruins, quote-unquote, took it as a joke and, like, you know, I keep saying that, but that's what Marsha and all the players said. Uh, um, I just, I feel like Carolina is not at a disadvantage this time around like they were last year. Um, I do think Carolina was at a disadvantage because the Rangers really were not the same team they were at the end of the season. They just did not have any fight, heart, or zip bite to their game and their goaltender situation was a mess so if anything Carolina got screwed by playing an opponent that just didn't look great and may not necessarily help them um, in the long run for style of play and blah 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 the thing that scares me about this Boston Burns team Jordy is Last year, Stanley Cup team, they got they made some great moves to the deadline, picked up Johansson for the second line. They got Coyle to be a third line center. They have that fourth line that with the Jari and all those guys that were just animals. Um or Corrali, I should say, Achari was two years ago, but they had that three and four line depth, which you need to win in the playoffs. You need guys to produce that aren't on your first line. And the Bruins had it last year and very skeptical, very uh, shaky, very uninspired feeling about the third and fourth line for this year's Bruins team. Sure, Coyle's still down there, but their second line is a mess. This guy, Case, they picked up uh, at the break, was supposed to fill in at the second line. He has looked terrible. Richie, who they're supposed to fill on the third line, a big bruiser. He barely played. He was in every other night. He was getting beat out by other guys during the regular season and only played in game one. So you almost want to say that the Hurricanes have a have more forward depth, which you give me any series last year and the Bruins had more forward depth. But I just – this year I don't see it. I, I feel like the Islanders – or the Hurricanes have – more depth um, at four than the Bruins. And I think the Bruins have a better goalie, better coaching, better first line. 
defense is probably a wash if you know if not Bruins but yeah I'd, I'd give defense if anything I'd definitely give defense and goalie to the Bruins there I was about to say yeah. that Bruins defense is stacked even with some yeah. injuries there and, and I know yeah. you know whatever you want to say about about the round robin there was some some discrepancies but I mean no matter who you throw in it net I feel like they have the edge the biggest difference for me is how well Peter Morazic played and maybe this is part of me being a bitter Flyers fan who the Flyers trade for him two years ago and Morazic looks like a fucking dud and then all of a sudden stands on his head against the Capitals last year they beat up on the Islanders so he just need to do anything and they get lit up by the Bruins but I just think we're bound to see that again there is some mental block that does exist and I get it like they're professionals he may have gotten over it but I don't know I, I I do think that their offense, guys like Svechnikov, guys like Sebastian Ajo, both of whom, if you come into hockey in December 2020 when the new season starts, or is supposed to start, I should say, and you're not thinking that those guys are high fantasy picks if you're doing that, or guys that you should that they should be guys in the front of your in the front of your brain when you're talking about top forwards, at least in the Eastern Conference, definitely in the Metropolitan Division. So I think that's good for a game or two. I like the Bruins, though. I, I agree with you. Better first line, better coaching, definitely better goalies. And I think an, at least a at least a step above on defense, whether it's the first pairing or the third pairing. And I think that's the big difference, is that the third pairing, and I know that there are some question marks, like you mentioned, around the third line and all that sort of stuff, but I think that's the big difference for the Bruins. So I, I like them in six games. No, and, and that's a good point. And the third line and the fourth line, really, in my opinion, to some degree, the second line, just need to go even or plus. And just don't be in the negative game to game. Stay in the even or plus, the plus minus, and let the first line, and to extent the third line, because their second line's a joke right now, let those two lines win games for you, at least in the first, first round. Um, second round and third round, they're going to need – there are other lines to step up, but I mean, that first line for for Carolina with Aho and Shmetchikov is just it's really unreal. good, real. So it's the same thing we talk about for the Bruins. The same thing we talk about with Washington. Is there a switch that they can flip? Is there is there an on button? Is there something that they can just say, okay, now is the time to play playoffs? That to me, I I don't have faith in Washington to do it. So can I really say that I have faith in Boston to do it? No, but at the same time, I'm picking Boston in six, and they might lose game one, Jordy. But I think ultimately, they they just they do it. So let they me ask you it. this they, before they, we before we go to the West: Do you think the delay of you know twelve plus hours? Do you think that benefits or or the benefits of the Bruins or the, or the Hurricanes more? Yeah, I don't. I mean, it, that's it's, tough. Yeah, it's a weird question. Bo- well, well, it's tough because you know both teams. You're talking about getting inside of a of a team or a guy's head, right? Mentally, both you figure both players they have a routine. Both teams have a routine. They get on a bus. You know their routine starts the second they leave their their hotel room to get on the bus to go to the game. They get to the rink, and you do X, Y, and Z. And and do they get this a pregame you skate? You think? No, because there's nowhere yeah, to, for yeah, them there's to, skate. to skate. Like they didn't so, get one before the the Toronto game right? or the uh, Columbus game, right? Yeah. So the idea is that 
the the rink has said or whatever that they need half an hour after the players leave to do the locker room and the benches, which is why there's such a big it was gap. Than that. I within, thought it was like 75, 75 minutes. Um, well, that's after the game, I think. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So they're giving teams X amount of time to get out of the rink. Yeah, that yeah, makes yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they need that much time to clean everything. So the idea is that you know you get intense, you get ramped up. I feel like if anything, it helps the Bruins just because they have the those veteran minds. You know, you would hope that veterans don't get shake, shook by things like this as much as young guys might, and young guys tend to get over anxious and think about things more. Whereas old guys are like, all right. Cool. I'll just do. I'll just do the same thing I was gonna do today tomorrow. You know, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They didn't put the stuff on. They stayed in their suits. There's one point you could see all the Bruins, um, or maybe it was the Hurricane players in the corner watching the third or fourth overtime. There's a little gap where the Zamboni doors were. They're watching there for a little bit, like like back in the day, the next team used yeah, to watch yeah, yeah, the game yeah. before, etc. So, um, yeah, you would hope it would be the veteran team would have some some more some bigger advantages but i feel like it can't be that much different than a back-to-back maybe the fact they stayed around and they have to get up early now and maybe that might affect them a little bit but i don't know i feel like if i'm a young guy and i'm all amped up there's no way i'm going to bed early tonight versus you know there's zero chance char is not sleeping (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah no i agree with you i think uh the veteran presence and I guess the youthful, I guess if both teams are pretty young, but it's going to be, I think tomorrow is going to be maybe the game of the day, I think, that uh, we have to look forward to. I know that we'll get some really good games in the West that we're about to break down, but um, yeah, I'm the, probably the most excited for Boston Carolina. Um, one of which, or one series of which, I'm excited for is, is kicking off tomorrow, but the other one in the West is Calgary-Dallas, which we'll talk about in a second. Or I guess we should probably lead off with them because they are through one game. Calgary won today 3-2. While we were watching the five-overtime special, uh, the Calgary Flames went up 2-0 in the first period. Dallas responded in the second, and Calgary ends up pulling out the W. Greg, I am not surprised by this. I thought Calgary looked great in their first-round series. I think their offense is buzzing. I think they're playing good physical hockey. I mentioned it in our previous podcast that I think they got manhandled around by by Colorado last year, and they really they want to prove people wrong, that, that they don't just step up big for the Battle of Alberta. They have a little bit of an edge to them, and, and I think we're starting to see that a lot. Colorado, or, or Dallas, excuse me, a team that has played with an edge all year after their slow start and being such a good team. I still like uh Calgary, Jesus, to win this series, uh, especially now after they've won game one. But I think it's going to be fun. I think this is similar to what we were talking about with Washington and New York, that it's two differing schools of hockey that come into mind. Calgary obviously has a little bit of a differing situation on the back end, especially a goalie where Dallas is a little more solidified. So I think this first game we're going to is, is somewhat of a sign of things to come, but the fact that Dallas is able to, to rally from down 2-0 and, 
is great to see because they're normally a team that does like the Islanders. They go up 2-0 and they just trap you for the rest of the game. Or they go up 1-0 and try to do that. They are an unders king. So the fact that, that Calgary was able to rally from it, from losing a 2-0 lead, I think is awesome. I think the fact that their big names weren't really the ones that got it done. They had some young guys in their depth, similar to what we were talking about, a little bit with the Bruins, a little bit with the Flyers. It's a good sign for them. And, and I still like Calgary here. I don't want to say in five. Originally, I would have said that. So I'm going to edit it to six games. But, Greg, what do you think about this series? Yeah, so I originally had the Cal- the Flames as well, Calgary Flames as well, winning it. Um, I had it probably going six or seven. And the reason why I had it doing that, or the reason why I had Calgary was simply because they played the Winnipeg Jets in the first round, which is almost, I don't want to say a carbon copy of the Stars. The Jets probably have better goaltending, but yeah. They have the two big names on the first line, like Ben Sagan and Shafley uh, and Line A, and then you also Blake Wheeler. They have the physical play. They play the defensive strategy like the Stars. So it's almost like the per- – not the perfect, but it was almost the right matchup for the Flames to get ready for a Dallas, if you will, versus last year they came into the playoffs, Calgary did, and, and got pushed around. So I feel like this – this was tailor-made for them to, to upset the Stars here. Now, after tonight's game, I don't think it's going to be as easy for Calgary. I think it's the opposite. You know, I think the fact that the Stars came back and Calgary sort of punched Dallas in the mouth a little bit because Dallas was a similar Bruins route. They played shitty and, and were content with a four seed, didn't want anyone to get hurt. And three seed, three seed. Whatever they they didn't want anybody to hurt. They were content with whatever, and and didn't want anybody to get hurt. And then you turn around and first period you're getting knocked around by Lucic and Kachuk and Perry fought Kachuk in the first period or second yep. period, and they go down early. But like you said, they showed some fight, and when they actually got in that playoff mode, when they flipped that switch, if you will, they got the first two periods underneath them. That's when they started to show why they were where they were in the standings right so if anything i'm more now i'm more like oh shit did i pick wrong with calgary because i think dallas can only go up from here to them you know they took calgary's best shot in game one lost by a goal when they did not look like the team they were in the first period so realistically they have to be feeling pretty good about themselves sure they created a hole but there's no home ice advantage anyways so they're down one, but they have to feel good about themselves just for the fact that they took Calgary's best shot and only lost by a goal. And now they, now they're into it. Now they have that playoff energy going. Um, but like I said, Calgary had that perfect first line master for them to get them ready for a team like the stars. Um, first, I mean, the first line, despite Sagan and Ben, I still feel like, you have to go Gaudreau, Lindholm, and Moynihan. And oh, yeah. I don't know. Well, I think you hit the nail on the head that there are guys on their top line that are obviously pretty awesome for both teams. But you you dig a little deeper of guys. On Calgary, their, their forwards are awesome, but you dig deep on their defense, and you, you kind of lose it after a few different dudes. Dallas... Top to bottom, there there's six defensemen that they can dress, and they can probably switch in a couple dudes too. 
but like guys like Amiko Hishinen, I'm fucking up how to pronounce his name, but they they really get the job done. So I feel like if there is some sort of trap game that they play, that's what's going to really get get them going. And that's a really good point that they they rallied. They had guys like Jamie Ben who really took over. Sagan not on the score sheet yet, or at least in terms of goals. But I feel like the fact that that Monahan and Goudreau not on there either is, is pretty big. I think goaltending almost becomes a wash. I know Kudobin's had a fairly solid year. It really comes down to I think Cam Talbot, and I feel like he's playing really well now. And I, I feel like the fact that they played a playoff series where he can kind of get into it. And you're right now, Dallas has a game under their belt, and they can push this. This is why I'm now thinking in six. I think. Dallas proved a lot tonight to push it, but I do think that they're the team of those four play-in team or not playing four round robin teams that they they probably have the most to prove, and they prove that they're going to make this thing fun, and they're not just going to be a rollover team that's going to let a hot qualifier yeah. just beat them. Right, and again, like I said, I feel like I'm going to stick to my pick of Calgary, but I very seriously after today is second guessing it. Because sure. of the way Dal- the second and third period, I mean, they were down two nothing with almost what four or five minutes left in the second. So that yeah. means they they were able to come back. Sure, they let up a goal, but they were able to come back and really control the pace of play for the end of the second and then the entire third. So, granted, Calgary may have on there. Here's a little bit two goal lead where it's even hockey. Dallas tied it up and ended up losing by one. But it's just a matter of well, I feel like that's a that's a really good point that Dallas controlled it. And kept it at 3-2. Because if they aren't in the position where... Granted, they're only down a goal at that point. But if they're in a position where they're not... I would say either tied or leading. The fact they're able to do that, I think, is a really good sign. And At least for this game, this series going long. Because if they're not controlling the pace of play there, Calgary could have easily turned it on. And really, really made this thing a bloodbath. Because that's what they did to Winnipeg. Right. Agreed. Yeah. All right. Next series, Jordy. All right. So we're going to the top. We're going Vegas, Chicago. Uh, the Blackhawks, who we mentioned seeing their best shot. Chicago Blackhawks with, I don't want to say the upset of the century because I feel like that's more Montreal over Pittsburgh. But the Blackhawks doing a lot of what we thought they could do of if Crawford stood on his head, if Kane's and Taves, Kane and Taves adding S's at the end. Sound like a friend of ours. If they play well, we got guys like Kumalik to step up. We got a number of different dudes who looked great in that series against Edmonton. Chicago showed a lot of fight, especially in that game three, which I was very proud of myself for staying up for, Greg. A little, little golf clap to me. <laughs> Where the Blackhawks are down 3-2 with five minutes left. And they have guys like like Matthew Highmore who step up huge to help this team advance. Highmore scores the game-tying goal, and then in the fourth game, scores the game-winning goal. They showed some depth there. I know their, their defense is not great, which is not good to their matchup with, with the Vegas Golden Knights. Because Vegas, we want to talk about depth, and we're going to talk about with St. Louis. But Vegas is should not be trifled with in terms of what they have going for them. They have guys straight up the middle who all can take, can, uh, can take control of a game, can take control of a shift. 
and I think that's not something to be trifled with. I'd love to try to say that there's some sort of upset magic in the making here. I think the Blackhawks, I, I want to say they win two games, but I think this is Vegas in five. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like you were saying, the depth of, of Vegas really allows them, they don't necessarily have to line match. You know, they, they can, like we talked about how uh, they went Taves line, different line, Kane's line, you know, spread out the line sort of and, and kept the hits coming versus Edmonton. Just, just before I move on here, I predicted the Blackhawks being Edmonton. I'm pretty sure you did as well. I think a lot of people predicted Edmonton losing to Chicago, so it's not that big of an upset. But uh, you're right, on paper, I would I would, would think after that, that Edmonton... second game where McDavid has the hat trick, a lot of people are thinking, all right, thanks for showing up, Blackhawks. McDavid has a hat trick. He's going to take this thing over, just like how star players do. I know you in other sports don't respect the star players. But McDavid has five goals in a series, and – somehow doesn't end up winning the whole thing. Dreitzettel has three. That first line looks great. Koskinen didn't even I look respect, terrible. I respect star players when they win and actually contribute to their team and their team has success. I'm just going to say this, that, that Connor McDavid has won one series, one more than a certain baseball player that you despise. So he's won one. Okay. <laughs> um, no, I, I, think, I think this is really comes down to depth uh top to bottom this vegas golden knights team is just unreal they're they've since they come in they've been a team that's been on a revenge tour and now they have a goalie in laner who at least in the first round is on a revenge tour versus the blackhawks so it's just adding to that narrative he fits in with them well Do you think it's a revenge tour though because they were their team who didn't think they had a playoff opportunity they wanted to try to get a young guy they treat for malcolm suban and send him to a competitor or to you know so they gave yeah, him but, the wish to yeah, try but, to give him a to give him an opportunity to win. Yeah, but it, it also means they chose Crawford over him. It it means that they didn't want to extend him a contract. Um, granted, he landed in Vegas, but you know who wouldn't want to play for the Blackhawks and original six team with the talent they have? Um, yeah, he like you said, he ended up on a playoff team, etc. But that just if if you liked where you were, if you were playing, if you were the number one guy, and you okay, they got Crawford is hurt. When he comes back, I'm gonna be a backup. Disrespectful. I I got you this. I got you to this point, right? Oh, you don't want to extend me my contract? Disrespectful. Like fuck you guys. Get rid of me. Um, I think he just fits into that same narrative that the Golden Knights have been have been trying to do from the beginning. I think the biggest thing here, the way that that Chicago can win, is if some of these young guys, you know the Kerb, yeah, Kirby, Kirby Dax, Dax, yeah, Camp, you know these guys just come out and play out of their mind like they didn't in the first series. Um, then good things will happen, but I don't know. It, it's tough. Marsha Show, Riley Smith, Stastny, Tuck. I mean, Patcheretti being back. Brandon. I mean, it's it's. Can we talk about Alex Tuck for a second and Mark how good Stone. he was in the – I know you, you're discounting the round-robin play, but he was awesome in the round-robin. And he's yep. been awesome for them in the playoffs. So this is like a not a we're going to pump up a team that played well in the round-robin. He actually has proven himself in, in crunch time. I feel like he, he is an X factor to the entire playoffs. And if they end up winning the Stanley Cup, maybe not 
a front runner for the Conn Smythe because you might give it to a goalie, you might give it to a Marsha show or a Nate Schmidt. I feel like if he plays really well, he could he could hoist that at the end of all said and done, especially if they have to go through Colorado. But Tuck is an awesome forward. Yeah, I don't disagree. And he came over on a trade from Montreal, another team who was sellers of the deadline and now finds themselves in the actual playoffs. So little uh, little irony there that both these teams uh, being Montreal and, and now um, Chicago, you know, you win the, the play-in series and here's your award. You get to play the number one overall seed. But um, – you were sellers deadline, try and get a good pick, but whatever. So, yeah, I think, uh, I think, well, the back end, they might be tied in terms of Blackhawks having just as good as No, I think their defense is better. I think Schmidt and a bunch of those, a bunch of number names. I know the Blackhawks have the, the name brand from the last decade, but I think they're, I think they're deeper. I think their second pairing and third pairing blow the Blackhawks defense out of the water. I mean, they have some really young guys. The Blackhawks have some really young guys. Yeah, like they're young. Bobquist Bob Quist is 19 years old. Sure, 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 sure. Dehan, Murphy. Anyway, so the point is, I'm going to Vegas. I would have said four, maybe five, but uh, yeah, Vegas. Jordy? I'm going to say five on our little score sheet. Five. <laughs> Colorado, Arizona, Greg. Uh, the Yotes looked unreal playing against the the – Predators, we talked about it a little bit in the last podcast. What do we want to see out of the Predators that really is good is what we had seen on paper, and the Coyotes threw them a punch in the first game. The Predators looked like they threw it right back in the second game, but the Coyotes were down 4 nothing, and then all of a sudden made it seem like the Predators scored an empty net goal. Losing that second game 4-2, and then didn't look back after scoring those literally in the final two minutes of game two two goals and end up running away with that, that series. They come into this with all the momentum in the world against a team that I'm still thinking is my Stanley cup team in the Colorado avalanche, a great top, however many players you want to say of first, second line first, second D pairing goaltending is the biggest question. I think Arizona certainly has the edge there with Darcy Kemper, but Outside of that, you really got to wonder, are Taylor Hall and Phil Kessel going to get this thing done for this showdown? And I'm not too sure. Yeah, and, and it should be noted, Kemper, before he got injured, and even Ronta, their backup, before he got injured, Arizona was one of the top teams in the league just because of their goaltending and, and their defense. And then they add a guy like Taylor Hall, and they have some some forwards who can really play and um, Clayton Keller and and your favorite, my boy. Therefore, <laughs> your boy, my boy. Um, but even Derek Stepan, you know the the Captain America. Yeah, guys um, that have traded for years ago are still paying dividends to this team. Yeah, so this to me is the matchup of the first round. This to me is this again the playoff. This is the actual playoffs. This this to me is the matchup of the first round. These these two teams, yeah, I feel this like is, this is mine too. This is just like a high-flying, two teams that are high-flying. Both teams have experience. Both teams have young guys. Both teams want to go out and run but also can be physical. And it's just one of those series that is just going to be a fucking blast to watch. Yeah. Um, 
I think that's the the advantage that Arizona gets themselves, though. If they want to play lockdown defensive hockey, they can do that, too. So that's something that I'm excited to see, too. If the Coyotes get to, like, a 2-0 lead and then all of a sudden decide, we'll let Phil the Thrill bounce around and hip-check some dudes on the first line, Taylor Hall, let him do his thing because he's played that style before in New Jersey, and then let their third and fourth line just fucking beat up dudes. That's an exciting twist that this series could take, too. Yeah, and everything in me wants to pick Arizona. Not wants to, but everything in me would love to see Arizona win, but this Colorado Avalanche team is just way too good, man. And they looked good all year, and they looked good during the... I mean, they didn't lose. You know, they didn't lose in in the, the prelims or whatever. So this is just an unbelievable series, and this Avalanche team is just too good. So... I'm going to say Avalanche in six. I wouldn't be surprised if it's the last one. I'm going to say Avalanche in six. Yeah, I said, um, I said Colorado in seven. Just because, yeah. I, just because I want to see Arizona do well, and I want to see them continue to build on it going yeah. forward. And it's tough. You hope that this would would have a guy like Taylor Hall stay for another year. He's free agent, but you know it's, he's going to be probably one of the bigger free agent names out there. But it's just a fun – I mean – Arizona went for it a little bit, and and, and it worked out. Yeah, worked out because of COVID. But um, yeah, it's a yeah Colorado and six fun series. Jordy, final matchup of the first round, the actual playoffs. The Blues and the Vancouver Canucks. Greg, you mentioned it before. Vancouver, very young team. They came out flying against Minnesota. A Minnesota team, you've mentioned teams who win the first game and then it's all gravy from there. Vancouver gets shown up by the veteran, physical Minnesota squad. Doesn't miss a beat for the rest of that series. St. Louis, talk about the Bruins going 0-3. St. Louis, a team that we thought was armed to dismantle all the other three teams in the round robin still, I think has that advantage. I want to think that another upset could be brewing here because of how well that Vancouver team has done guys like JT Miller, who Vancouver kind of out of nowhere trades for. They trade a first rounder for him. They grab him. Their goaltending has been great. They've had great defense. Quinn Hughes. I mean, I know that the, the votes are probably in for the, for the Calder and, we do not know what Kale McCarr is going to do against against Arizona, and we didn't really talk about him at all, but he's awesome. And just how fucking young. Sorry, we're not talking about Colorado. Colorado, very young defense. Quinn Hughes, and a lot of the rest of the Canucks defensive core, very young too. Their whole team is fucking young. And I don't know. I think they're going to put up a really good fight, and I'm still undecided on who I want to take in this series. Mainly because of the round robin play. If not, if this was a a two seven after reseeding matchup, I'd probably be more inclined to take the Blues. But the Blues looked like they played without a sense of urgency, and I I know your responses to the round robin play, but they, I don't know, they they had leads that they blew. They the fact they lost to the Stars is what really stifles me here, Greg. Convince me I'm wrong. No, and, and they were a team that came out slow this year, and I sound like a broken record, but 
they came out slow and and these slow teams can they flip a switch and can they turn it on and you're not wrong i mean the blues they they lost pepperoon they lost some of their spunk their spark that they had last year but when you have a guy like tarasenko on your second line i mean you have to have forward depth you have to be a pretty good team but it's just it's hard it's hard to pick a team that looks so poor which is again why i was didn't want to pick the Bruins, but it's hard to pick a team that looked so poor and has a history of playing slow and coming out slow. I, if anything, they're going to need Bennington to stand on his head and win the game one nothing multiple times in this series, which is a very hard task to do with with the likes of of Pedersen and Besser and JT Miller and Bo Harvard, Tanner Pierce. I mean, this team, Louis Erickson, this team is just top to bottom there is they they're stacked you know they have guys who can score that's yeah they have guys who can score Mm -hmm. yeah i mean and i mean the blues you mentioned the the canucks having some young night fun uh back-end guys but i really think pachangelo and and gunnerson i feel like they still go you know this they're so skilled the, the advantage still goes to the blues here um, but both teams engage their defense. Both def- both teams have defense defensive guys who love to hop up in the rush, which is going to mean a lot of odd man rushes going both ways for both teams. So it's going to be a fun little up and down series. Ultimately, I think the Blues try to bully Vancouver like the yeah, Blues did all last season. They tried to bully, the bully teams. Yeah, and, and granted, Minnesota did that. And tried to bully them, but the difference is Minnesota doesn't have the horses. Minnesota doesn't have, they don't the, have the pedigree. Yeah, yeah. Minnesota doesn't have the depth. Minnesota doesn't have the goaltending, to be honest. That that the Blues have, and even the defensive help that the Blues have. So, yes, it was physical enough for for Vancouver to to see what that's like. But just the overall skill is much better and deeper, and they do it. The Blues do it better than what Minnesota does. So, ultimately, I think the blues do it but i would not be surprised if the connects win and just because of the blues slow start etc this is this is probably one of the harder ones for me to pick um to be honest but i feel like the blues you, you just can't think that they would go and lose a four game series or a six seven game series um unless they truly are that lost without pat maroon and really are that like you know that slow of a team to start this is one of the hardest trophies to win two years in a row and there's a reason for that so uh maybe vancouver's team knocked them out but i just i just can't pick vancouver right now i want to but i can't yeah i'm in the same boat i, w- I was ready to pick them blues but i'm gonna take seven. the blues i'm taking blues in six blues in seven yeah i you sold me on the Blues defensive core, specifically Petrangelo, who I believe is in a contract here, right? He wants, yeah, to, prove, their, he wants to prove right. himself to the rest of the league. Plus, he's their captain. He won a cup. He, yeah. you know, he, he's, he, he proved last year that he's a player in the playoffs. You know, he jumps yeah. in, scores goals. He does he does their power play. He does their PK. He does everything for them. And, and he has to be – I mean, he's a favorite for the Norris, right? And Has to be. He has to be. Yeah. Who else would you throw out there for Nor? Or I guess we know the finalists, but who else? Who would you rather? <laughs> who would you rather win the Norris over him? Yeah, I mean, Hedman. Hedman just plays on an unbelievable team, but I feel like 
Petrangelo, you have to. Well, this was the Crosby Ovechkin debate that we had before Sidney Crosby won three Stanley Cups. Of Sidney Crosby had Malkin around him, and Ovechkin had d- just dudes. You know. <laughs> yeah. 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 Exactly. But no, I, I think I mean, it's just Tyler Bozak, Sammy Blay, Sudquist. Troy Steen. I forgot fucking Steen, Tyler, Tyler Bozak on, yeah. is on St. Louis. Troy Holy Brower, shit. Tarasenko, Braden Shen. I mean, this team is Brito. just... Brito! So, yeah, exactly. This oh, team he broke is my so heart so deep. many times. This team is so deep, and I think it comes down to those third and fourth lines just absolutely taking advantage. And to yeah. be fair, Ryan O'Reilly, David Perron, Zach Sanford are going to absolutely, like, manhandle Pedersen. Yeah. Besser and JT Miller in that. JT Miller's feisty, but I agree with you. O'Reilly comes out. Do you remember? You may not remember this, but us Flyers fans, last time they won a series eight years ago, Claude Giroux comes out and just levels Sidney Crosby off the opening faceoff in, I think, game four. It was at the Wells Fargo Center, so it was not. It was in Philly. Um, I feel like there's something like that brewing where. O'Reilly just sets the tone for the series in that sort of a game. Yeah, I mean, you saw last year against the Bruins. You know, he came out and neutralized the Bruins' first line, the best line in hockey last year, very easily the best line in hockey um, on paper. That's a fact. Last year they were. And he went out and completely manhandled Pasta, took Pasta out of his game, which then takes Marshan out of his game. Bergeron's impenetrable. He'll never be out of his game, but... Bergeron can't carry a line like he used to. He's not necessarily an offensive threat like he... He, like, can't, he can't pass and shoot. Right. He's not necessarily an offensive threat as much as... as Did his Austin. wife say that? hey oh hey Sorry, I had that's to. A, that's a football joke. But that wasn't even against the... Well, whatever. That was against the... <laughs> the other, that was against the NFC... The other NFC East team that beat the Patriots. Oh, so well, I wasn't meant to be know, I didn't know... I didn't it wasn't know if meant you to be an Eagles joke. I was just trying to make a Giselle joke. I didn't know if you wanted to give a. Didn't she say that, that in the AFC Championship? I'm sorry. Oh, was it when they lost the Colts or was it when they lost the Giants? Maybe she said it twice. <laughs> she might have said it against the Broncos, a Peyton loss. No, because I, th- I think it was Wes Welker who dropped the ball. I think it was the. You're right, it was the- Wes Welker who dropped the ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the fourth down play when, Wel- when he hit Welker perfectly and Welker dropped it on the fourth down play and that led to the Colts finally being the Patriots, but. And then, and then Devin Hester returning a kick, opening kickoff for a touchdown, and then getting smoked. But a hockey podcast, Jordy. <laughs> uh, I did want to – you mentioned Braden Shen. Just because we're towards the end, now we can fuck around. The Flyers trade Braden Shen to the Blues. They get two first-rounders and end up getting Joel Farabee and Morgan Frost out of the deal. Your response? Uh, I feel like both teams won. The Blues got a cup out of it. Yeah, the Blues got a cup. The Flyers got two young studs. Farabee is a is a stud. I know you love him because he's a BU guy. <laughs> and Morgan Frost, who could be a guy they just randomly say, like, game three against Montreal, hey, you played in the queue, beat up these Quebecans, comes out, shows his Q skills. Yeah, is he a guy that won't play? Or no, he no he he was playing, and the Flyers put him down, and he played like twenty games. And then all of a sudden, the Flyers just sent him back down to, to the Phantoms, 
I don't know if it was to preserve his rookie year, which I don't know at what point of regular season games you, you burn a year there. Um, but if he plays in the playoffs, you still burn a year on the entry-level deal, which I feel like is a win-win for both squads, but or for both parties. But uh, nonetheless, Greg, some facts that, we, uh, that I forgot to mention in terms of all-time playoff matchups. If the Blues beat the Canucks, it would be the first time the Blues have ever beaten the Canucks in the playoffs which is interesting. Vancouver won two of the first three games, or of the three games in the regular season. Calgary-Dallas didn't mention this. They've only played once, and it was Calgary versus the then Minnesota North Stars in the 1981 Stanley Cup playoffs. The North Stars won that in six games. Greg, fun fact, in 1981, they played in the Final Four, but it was not the conference finals because in the early 80s, the Stanley Cup playoffs were done as a 1-16 to team tournament. So it was referred to as the Stanley Cup semifinal round. And the North Stars won that and then lost to the Islanders. Uh, Arizona-Chicago, they've only met once in the playoffs. and or Arizona-Colorado. Colorado won that in five games in 2000. Uh, Colorado then won the, the Stanley Cup. Raymond Bork, a dream has come true. Actually, no, that, that was 2001, so maybe they lost to New Jersey. And Golden Knights so, of Chicago never played. Corrections to the laner. He signed a one-year deal with them, with Vegas. He was with uh, the Islanders last year. He was a Vezina finalist. Yeah, and then he, he was with the Blackhawks, and they traded him. Sorry, he, yeah, he traded one year yeah, yeah, with yeah. the Blackhawks, and they traded him. But um, who's this young coach for Chicago? Uh, the guy that replaced Q. He's a great-looking dude. Yeah, he's a good-looking man. He's not, I mean, not as good-looking as Quinny, but... Yeah, how about your boy Dave Quinn? Or Dan Quinn? Gets the number Dave, one pick? Yep, Dave Quinn. Yeah, Is Rangers. It, who am I thinking that's Dan Quinn? Uh, I, I don't know. Is that a football I'm, coach? I don't know. I, I, My cousin Paul has a friend named Dan Quinn. I don't know. Ah, Paul no, I, uh, Shout out Paul Pete. No, I um, last year getting Kako with the number two pick, and now uh, this year, for all intents and looks like that Lafreniere get kid is the is the number one overall pick. So that's huge for them. Plus they have Panarin and a couple other skill guys. So figure out figure out the goaltending situation. They're right back in the playoff hunt. Well, I feel like Igor just we didn't really talk about the first round or the qualifying round a ton with some of these teams. That yeah, lost. this is the first round. Get it right. Yeah, the, the qualifying round. But the, the Rangers, we talked about a little bit with Hank. The fact that they went back to him for game two, I feel like, was a... Uh, I don't know if that was what did him in or just the fact that Carolina really threw up a lot that the Rangers couldn't match. But uh, Igor, I think, is is definitely the truth for that team. And and I don't know, me as a, as a Flyers fan, recognizing what the Penguins have been able to do with a lot of high picks, and that New York is a... You know, it's it's a team that's won a number of Stanley Cups. It's, you know, it, it's unlike the Knicks, who are also who have the same owner in James Dolan, who, it's a I feel like a place that that free agents like to go to, and you can really attract it. And now with two top two guys in back to back years, you might be able to attract some some high name free agents to your team, or at least, and that's part of the, that's part of the big thing with hockey too of those third fourth line guys that you can get for serious value and somebody turns into a 20 goal scorer and you know something like that happens and that might and be when you have 
and when and when you have Lafreniere and, and Kako, who are two young guys who are on rookie contracts, and they're they're you can they're afford your, it. That's what I mean. They're your top two lines, or they're even a third line for whatever whatever Lafreniere when he first comes in. You never know where he's going to be, but when you have those young rookies who are on their entry level contracts, you can really, like you said, afford it and really. Now with the expansion draft coming up, some of these ugh, I can't wait for the expansion draft. Did we talk about the Kraken? I don't know if we did talk about the Kraken or not. I love a the nickname and b all their the jerseys. I think are awesome. So Seattle Kraken, correct? Yes, Seattle Kraken. A new expansion team. the The expansion draft is after the twenty twenty one season, so after next year, right? There's a great article. Yeah, so it's a year from now. There's a great article in the Athletic about and, and they had to like take some liberties because they're free agents and shit, but of who the team might take and all this different stuff. Fascinating read because it it kind of looks back at Vegas and what they were able to do, and what Seattle might be able to do. And even if in the we won't take this guy if you trade us these assets, if that's not as as deep as it is, which apparently Florida's GM is going to get fired. He was the guy who really made some serious yeah, moves towards Vegas in terms of panics. But I feel like Florida is a team that could still get exploited pretty badly with how much money they're spending left and right with dudes. But it's going to be really fun to see what Seattle does to... Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest difference I think the biggest difference is will they get a Marc-Andre Fleury like Vegas got? You That's know? the biggest thing. It, so the, the athletic article that I was alluding to has them taking Matt Murray. From the from Pittsburgh, which would right. be you know on paper seems great. The NHL ratings. I don't know. But... He he had, he had that good year in the playoffs, but he really he really isn't that good of a goaltender. Yeah, yeah. Jared, our good buddy, and is uh, very anti Matt Murray now. Really was not a fan. He let up some pretty soft goals, not baby poop soft like Sergey Bobrovsky in his series against the uh, the Carolina Hurricanes or uh, no the New York Islanders. But um, yeah, he the wraparound goal and the blowing the three one lead, that was pretty bad to make it three two or three yeah. three. I mean, um, it's a guess. It's a guessing game, right? And and it's it's all you know. Who long term do you think Murray will be better than than Kabari? But it looks like both of them are going to wash out at the same time. But um, yeah, I think the cool part. Anyway, back to the Kraken. I don't necessarily. I feel like the jerseys look exactly like Vancouver and. Winnipeg, I feel like it's just the same color scheme that they already have in well, the West. Well, it's more like and... Winnipeg than, than Vancouver. Vancouver's is a similar blue, but at least, like, Ooh. the... What What'd you say? It was a big hit in Vegas. Oh, Black shit, yeah. Game. So I said, what You got on the television. Um, why did I say it that way? But they, <laughs> yeah, they have the they have the red similar to to the Jets in that regard. Yeah, and the I think same, their logo they, is awesome. They have, the, they have the same blue as the Jets. It's just a... I love the S as a nod to the Seattle Metropolitans, first American team to win the Stanley oh, Cup. Oh, let's go. Taves getting into it. Taves is little trying captain, to scrap. Little captain scrap? Trying to scrap with Marsha show. Oh. Yeah, speaking Sorry. of Florida getting fucking fleeced, um, that was the guy that they said they would pick. But, I, yeah, I think with the Kraken, I think they immediately build into a, an awesome sports town. We've seen... What the Seahawks fans do, we've heard about the Sounders fans. I think you and I are becoming MLS fans because of the MLS's back cup, which ended tonight. Um, 
you know, RIP MLS is back up, but apparently they're doing regular season in, in pseudo bubbles, similar to baseball. Um, so we'll see how that goes. But, uh, yeah, they, they, you know, and they've been starved for a winter sport since the Sonics left to go to OKC. I think it's going to be fun. I think they're going to, they're going to be really good regardless of the team they get. I kind of don't, to... I kind of don't like the Kraken. I really your... like it. So my but... cousin Pete lives out there. He's not a native. He's from Chicago, big Blackhawks fan. His wife is Seattle native, works for Starbucks. Parents have had Mariners tickets since the 80s. Could not be more Seattle as it gets. And he really wanted the Steelheads, which is the state fish of Washington. Yeah, I just think that the Kraken just doesn't necessarily make sense. It's too cartoonish. Like I feel like, I feel like the other NHL teams are... I don't know they mean stuff. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I, I don't know. know. For me, like never... it's like a mythical character that's not real. Yeah, you know? it's it's. Or, I mean, flyers. What's you know? There's just a flying P. Uh, are bears that prevalent in in eastern Massachusetts? The Bruins. Yes, are... bears are very prevalent in Massachusetts. I know they are in western Massachusetts, specifically uh, the Berkshires. Heyo. Heyo. But... Heyo, that's our high school mascot. I mean, they're 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 an, they're an original six team, Jordy. So you never know when when they were created. There are probably a ton of that's bears. That's a good in, point. In that is a very good point. Just like uh, as all the various uh, Native American like names have been called into question, the Blackhawks have pointed out why their team name is the Black Hawks, as it used to be two words named after a sock. I believe is the name of the tribe chief. It just it just seems it's slippery slope, right? Uh, granted, they have thirty two teams now; they should not expand anymore. But you, it's a slippery slope when you when you start doing cartoon names like the Kraken, and because all you think about is is Pirates of the Caribbean. You know, that's, that's yeah, that's of, a good point. Release the Kraken, all that stuff. Yeah, you think of Johnny Depp. You think of that fucking guy with the tentacles for a face. You, you know, you, you don't David think Jones. Of, yeah, you don't think of a professional sport a sports team. So. It just seems like what kind of Mickey Mouse organization names their team the Ducks? Uh, quite literally, a Mickey Mouse organization. Yeah, it was, it was from the uh, from the great movie Space Jam. <laughs> that quote exactly. Uh, um, I believe Daffy says it. Wait, is that really a quote in Space Jam? Yeah, he says it to Bugs Bunny when they're like when they're talking about the team name and stuff. He's like, I was thinking about the Ducks, or Bugs says it, and he goes, "What Bugs goes, what kind of Disney organization would name their team the Ducks? I haven't seen or, Space Jam What kind of Mickey so Mouse long. organization? Yeah, he says, that what is, kind of Mickey Mouse? Because they're WB, yeah. That's incredible. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the rivalry is not missed here. Yeah. He goes, uh, what, kind of, what kind of Mickey Mouse organization names their team the Ducks? Because then Davy Duck comes out, he's like, oh, let's do purple, let's do gold, and we'll be the Ducks. And he's like, no. Nah, nah, bro. Um, yeah, I mean, I... I I don't know. I just don't. I don't necessarily like the Kraken. I do enjoy. I love that we're gonna have another expansion draft. I'm nervous for the team, the Bru- the players the Bruins are gonna lose. I'd be worried about the. If I was, if I was you as a Flyers fan. Um, oh yeah, the, the Flyers are gonna be an interesting spot. They're gonna have to. They have a lot of guys who are running out of rookie rookie years. I mean Carter Hart. They're gonna have to give money to before that. Not oh, that they wouldn't protect. I think him it's anyway. about age though. Yeah, I think no. I think it's about age though. So it's the number of years you've played. If you're a first or second uh, year guy. You're fine. So like, a Nico Bakubel is gonna be—he's gonna be automatically exempt. But Carter Hart, that's gonna be his third full year in the league. 
which means he's out of his entry level deal anyway, so they have to pay him. But but even they like also Joel, have to protect him. Joel Farabee, all these other guys are. So are... Farabee would be out. Would be in his second year, so he's safe. His, this was his rookie year, so next year's his sophomore year. Mm. Uh, it's similar to how Travis Konechny was not eligible for the for the Vegas pick, um, and that's why uh, fucking Belmar went. But like Konechny would have been good, Provorov would have been good. Both of them are at the end of their, they, of their did, second year. Is there a team they didn't take someone from? There, so they took. It's interesting. They took guys. Oh, let's go. Vegas just scored. Who scored? Who scored for him? Uh, twenty-seven defenseman. That's Schmidt. Theodore. Theodore. That's Theodore. Okay. Um. Yeah. So they so they picked guys from all thirty from all thirty teams at the time. They traded for dudes too, but not all of them ended up playing for Vegas because they then they did it before the entry draft and then made moves with guys they either acquired via trades or via the expansion draft to then collect more draft picks. Mm. So Seattle has the same rules and can really build up a lot of draft picks. This is why Vegas, for those that don't know, was able to trade for Mark Stone, was able to then pay him immediately, and Pacioretty, Pacioretty, all these different dudes that they were able to acquire... And that's why even when Flurry Flurry was hurt, Malcolm Subban when he was still on the team was hurt. They were able to a year ago be as deep as they were. That they had all these different goalies that they acquired, and then just loaded up their AHL roster with. So, it's, are they one of those? Are they one of those joint AHL teams? Like they have two franchises? No, no, no. no. So that so I thought that was a thing. No. It, it, it had been a thing. The the AHL got to 31 teams, I believe, with Vegas coming into the league. I think Colorado... I think there were some affiliations that changed. But Co- I think Colorado founded a team somewhere in the state of Colorado. Gotcha. And Vegas had the Chicago Wolves. And I think, the, I think now the Wolves will still be a thing, but Vegas now will have their AHL team like a couple miles up the road in Nevada. Cool. And then is Seattle getting a team? I have not read that. I, uh, if they would, I, I would assume they would be, but I wouldn't be surprised to hear they're splitting it with somebody to start say, at least feel, for a couple of years. I, say, I feel like it takes a couple of years to like yeah. build up. That's why, that's why, that's why Vegas is, is now just moving to Nevada in their third year in the, their fourth year in the league. Right. Right. Interesting. Um, yeah, I'm not a fan of their jerseys. Again, I think it's the exact same as the Jets. And... You and Matty D. Matty D hated them. Well, it's not that I hate them, but it's the same as the Jets. Like, if you're, like, embrace the teal more. You know, I was, I was hoping for more of the Seattle Seahawks and less of the Winnipeg Jets. That's fair. I feel like it's more, like, it's more neon red than Winnipeg's is. But even, even Seattle Seahawks and Mariners, they have the similar That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, and that, that, like, went... seat, that... C-teal. Yeah, exactly. And they went Winnipeg jet dark blue and red, like just dumb. Well, there is, there's a light blue mixed in there, but I, I see what you mean. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, Greg, we we I wanted to ask you this when we were talking about New York. So the Yankees have a guy named Mike Ford. Looks like a he and Tony D'Angelo. I've referenced Tony D'Angelo a lot on the podcast. Both look like they're just dudes that both organizations found on a New York subway or the long Island express. 
little do I know, I finally Google both. They're both from New Jersey. Hmm. How about your boy? Thinking they look like this. And that's where both New York teams found their guys. I'm so glad you're stereotyping people. Um, oh, shit. <laughs> uh, now I feel like an asshole. Cancel, cancel, cancel. Can't, no. Tra- uh, they Gr- scored again. Greg, it was great having a podcast with you. I <laughs> guess I'm canceled now for thinking white dudes, white Italian people are just classic New York. Uh, Vegas I'm sorry again. to you as an Italian person, so hopefully I'm uncanceled by you. Can you hear me? I, I can hear you that Vegas just scored. Um, Jordy, you could never be canceled. No, uh, yeah, good for you. I'm glad you did some research. Revo, yeah, it, it, it took a while for me to finally learn to do that. Revo with the assist, nice. Are they up two zero? Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> I mean, good thing I said Vegas. You're yeah, out here saying good, Chicago. Good for both of us. <laughs> I said I said Vegas in five. What are you? What the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. Other teams get kicked in or something. Um, but no, I, 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 good for you, honestly. Um, I'm proud of you. I'm excited that, uh, your instincts were correct. Um, I think you need to trust me when I say that Philadelphia, you know, they were the team, they were going to get the one seed with the tape show. Oh, they're reviewing an offsides. Ooh. Yeah. He's off. Ooh, baby. Oh, it's going to come back. I think Revo went off. Is it is it the puck has to be in the zone? Yeah, it has to be in the zone. Yeah, I think okay. the I think the reverse the replay offside rule is so fucking dumb. Well, I mean, do, do they score immediately after Revo's offside? Like, is it tic tac toe, or is it no. like twenty seconds after it? Yeah, twenty seconds after. But yeah, the point then is, it shouldn't. Then that's stupid. But the point is that. There would have been a whistle. There would have been a face-off. Who knows? Chicago wins a face-off. They go back the other way. Cool. Whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah. We, we can argue Say, about this another time. Listen. Listen. Sometimes you're just wrong. I get it. Oh, Greg. <laughs> Love you, buddy. Are we are we deprived because we're not going to get a, a Vegas Golden Knights show before the games? I think we're deprived of that. In the fact that we're not going to get a, a Battle of Alberta series. This would have been the year. Because you mentioned it a little bit with Calgary. That they have some free agents coming up. And Edmonton does too. This year was the perfect setting for it. That they even in a fucking exhibition game started fighting each other. There's some like storylines. Like there's a lot of good ones. We mentioned with the East. There's the Chicago Vegas. They traded goalies. No, there's they some kept it. Not enough evidence. Not enough evidence. Yeah, they, wow. They traded goalies. No, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. And I don't disagree with you, but I just feel like that series would have been great. That series will be great. As long as Kachuk's on that team, he's he's gonna be a lightning rod for that for that uh rivalry. So since that's so we didn't even talk about this. Since we last podcasted, there's been you know, we talked about a little bit that that the Jets really tried to play it up and they wanted to be a lot, you know, they wanted to, to keep it going, but it, the Matthew Chuck blowback, I feel like stormed up even more so than after you and I podcasted. And I don't know where the hate's coming from. The guy just plays hard. I love him. I, I, I love him I too. Mean, He's American. Great. It, it, yeah, is that it? Are we just, are we just big American guys? 
No, it's because we both have guys on our team that are just scumbags, and we get it, you know? Who in the Flyers is a scumbag? I mean... Gudis is now a capital. Uh, I mean, who's... who's... <laughs> Fuck that! Fuck that guy! If you really who's 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 the guy with the crazy hair, he had the blonde little curls? He was he was on the team a couple years ago. Uh, boy, this is going. You're talking about Scott Hartnell. Hartnell. Scott Hartnell has been a flyer for six years. But my point, you he was that player. He was that 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 villain figure who skated hard, worked his tail off, and caused problems, but also could score. I think people don't like the fact that love Scott Hartnell. Uh, yeah, you he would. Was. Scott Hartnell. Oh, Scott Hartnell, my. Craig. Story. You're charity. missing. You're missing an unbelievable period. Blackhawks yeah. just Blackhawks just scored a man down goal. What a snipe! Classical cross guy calling it man down, not a penalty kill. Oh. <laughs> Camp, you were just talking about him. Oh, hey, <laughs> this guy. Um, so Greg. We never had you explain the PLL to me. Bar down. Were you happy with the whip snakes winning the Pink Whitney Cup? Um, back to back, they're champions back to back years. So, uh, the PLL is a. I think we talked about a little bit. It's a whole new idea and concept. Um, Instead of competing city by city and trying to compete with all the major sports, you know, based on cities. And having the Long Island team travel to Mass, and the you know trying to build up a base in a certain city, they're promoting their players, and they're every single week it's a different. All six or seven teams go to a, a new stadium every week, and so it's a new, um, new location, new set of fans. It's a way to grow the game. It's a way to build the brand of the players. It's a way to get people excited motivated on the on the about the league like i said you're not like one week in boston you could be sold out and the next week you wouldn't be versus now it's you sell in boston you go to long island the next week you go to colorado the next week, you go to california the next week um big social media presence and the difference that's on a part is that because they're they're player driven the players have a share of the like an even share of the revenue, like they split, split the profits. So they, the top players go there. That's pretty Hello? incredible. Yeah. No, so, I'm so, 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 so the top player, the top players play. I thought, the top were, I thought you were still going. I'm sorry. I am. I am, but you haven't said anything. So the top players play in that league. So there's seven teams with, and when you like imagine seven NHL teams, you're only going to get the best players, right? Yeah. And you're, I mean, who knows if a guy like Matthew Kachuk makes the seven seven team NHL, you know what I mean? So it's perfect for what it is right now. The traveling circus, if you will, um, the whip snakes essentially are a team of guys who used to be on Maryland. It's all, it's all it was when they first started. Each team has a little theme of, I was going to say, Mer- is there, yeah. is there a, like, how do they choose the teams? Were they just guys who all went to colleges together or, or how'd that work? Year one, it was it was they had captains or whatever, and they sort of picked based on. Oh, they did, they did a fantasy draft, more or less. Um, 
and now it's there's only two rounds and like there's like a lot of guys from Notre Dame on one team and the Whip Snakes are a big Maryland team and it, if you know anything about lacrosse, Maryland's been the top if not one of the top teams year in and year out. Um, I thought they did crab cakes in football. <laughs> apparently not football anymore, but <laughs> the uh, so that's sort of been the the dominating team, if you will. They yeah start to finish they won every game but um it was awesome it was a good little tournament they did a little uh every, you played four games you got seated after those four games and then did a little playoffs based on the seedings so so is this it for them or is there going to be a season like how mls did mls's back cup and then yeah no this is it because they travel in the summer and like like i said that's their mode that's their shtick and i think the idea is that they don't want players traveling every week and this is they they went to utah they were in a summer bubble they fulfilled their contract with nbc they mic up the players jordy so the players mid game and mid set they're like having conversations with the announcers like what mlb did during the all-star game and they did oh because, really like on yeah. the, are they on the field or is it when they're on the bench on the field that's uh, cool and again the mlb got it from the pll but that's the whole yeah that so they they talk like the they talk to the the guys literally mid play and or like you know lacrosse the balls on one side of the field that's what i say is it only side. like balls on the like the offensive side so they talk to a long pole or it, like are they talking to a guy as like as he's trying to like slash an attackman both so it's like Whoa. right after goal they'll talk to a guy and if the faceoff comes down they'll like in theory still be talking to them but that's pretty sweet um yeah it is kind of cool and they, they have all the players mic'd up and there's actually it was kind of funny this uh this rookie this year kid from I believe Yale game one was talking so much shit like oh this goalie's trash we're in his head we've got all these goals on like just absolutely talking shit his first ever game in the PLL and the next game and he got so much shit online for it got dragged them out on Twitter and the next game he just got like targeted on every single hit possible there's a guy two-handed him to the face three or four times send a little message to the rookie if you will that's Um, awesome yeah and they short so the pll they shorten the field which allows more offense more transition i was gonna ask you because the box looks like it's a like a half circle yes that's a two-point shot line essentially yeah little rule changed but it's a shortened field um, and and just sort of allowing guys to get out and run. And, and there's a shot clock instead of, you know, you can't just hold the ball. There's the, like college lacrosse implemented shot clock as well. So it's, uh, it's fun. It's a good little, like I said, better than the MLL because I feel like the city by city thing doesn't work because you get like in Boston or in Philly, who's going to see the cannons and the, the barrage, whatever. Yeah, whatever team they are. So, so it's interesting you say that because I, I've thought about this and I've heard over, that because who's who's going to see them over the Phillies and, I mean, all the other sports that go on in the, the union. And to that point of soccer, I've heard that the idea, just from seeing Paul Rabel go on different podcasts and interviews he's done, of talking about that, and it made me think. If the union had started as a original, however many teams were in the MLS, would I have cared about the MLS way more than I do today? Because the union are 10 years old. They came into the league in 2010. 
And I like no. vaguely follow Major League Soccer. Like no, no, because the Revolution were original team, and they're they're very rarely followed in in Boston. Granted, okay, soccer's not as big in Boston or Massachusetts, but you know, there's it's still original team, not original team. Yeah, so unless th- you're in there's like, an, an answer. A, uh, and the only reason why I thought maybe I'd follow soccer is. In that World Cup in 1998, I got really into it. I found out about Major League Soccer. I was like, oh, this is cool, but there wasn't a Philly team. My dad played college soccer, so there was always that. And, he, you know, we'd watch World Cup, whether it was men's, women's, whatever. So if there was a team, would I have? And, and all that sort of stuff. And like you mentioned, it's it's a little bit of a, of a bigger deal here, especially on the women's side of things. Women's field sports are, are well, women's, women's lacrosse is good in New England, isn't it? Philly's yeah, Philly's it pretty is. Philly is that's like one of the original hubs of women's lacrosse, but it's still pretty good up there, right? It is, yeah. yeah. No, it is. And and I mean you think about again, competing like soccer's compete in lacrosse, especially it's it's not new but it's growing, so this PLL really like MLS, David Beckham, people want to watch his games, right? Zlatan Ibrahimovic, people want to watch his games. So the PLL is is taking those top guys and bringing them all the top guys different places every week. So is the idea to be you have college lacrosse that starts in February, goes through Memorial Day, and then PLL picks up the picks up the ball and goes from there. The yeah, ground the ball, if you will. I think that the week after the or two weeks after, yeah. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah, and again, it's uh, you're taking those if not the same weekend, but you're taking those guys, the, the cream of the crop against seven teams and the MLL uh, this year, especially they have a lot of guys who are division two, II, division three, lesser known division one, good or bad, good, bad and different. Those guys can probably play, but the point is that the best, the top guys are going to the PLL, right? So, to your point, yeah. I know guys who were drafted into the MLL out of college, both from Lehigh and otherwhere, or otherwise, who just outright turned down the MLL because they were like, I'd rather go have a career in an office yeah. job because exactly. the MLL isn't paying. Right. It's not worth spending a summer or spending all this different time, right. travel, money, and that, resources, right. whatever. And that's always going to be a problem with the ML with the with lacrosse is because the PLL is similar too. Is that with the the like I said the the fact that all these teams have all these guys have second job or the PLL major lacrosse is their second job, right? So professional lacrosse is their second job. So they have careers, they have all these things going on. Um, but then you turn around and the PLL where they're good is that there's such a social media presence and they all their top, all their guys, because they're the top guys, they now work for Warrior. They're brand ambassadors, right? They they have Warrior, they have STX, they have Gatorade, they have Powerade, whatever it may be, because it's a limited amount of teams, limited amount of players, they're able to build their brand, play indoor lacrosse in the winter, play the PLL in the summer, and build a network brand base as long as they can based on their athletic ability sure there'll be guys who will go and have a career etc like like you mentioned but it's less of a time commitment in the mll it's less of a strain and you get 
again, if I'm a D3 guy, am I going and playing in the MLL as a second job or am I turning around and going to a career versus the PLL is literally the top, the best of the best. This is what it is. So, Yeah, good shit. I think it's better. So Laner has lost his blade on his left skate twice now. Like it's fallen out? Literally falling out. The new the new blades they create are these pop. They pop out in and out easily. So in case you lose an edge, like in theory, these guys have like three or four blades back. So if you don't have an edge, rather than get it sharpened, you can just pop the blade out and pop a new one in. And with that comes these skate malfunction where the blade just pops out willy nilly, no problem. You know, in my day we had a stone. Uh, yeah, give right. you an edge. Same. Sam, Chicago. <laughs> the bad thing is Chicago's on a power play, and he was just like with one skate the entire time. Imagine goalie's hard enough. Now imagine doing it with one skate blade. Hey, I played goalie for a game. Hey, oh, I had a shutout period. No, we nice. lost. Uh, I let up eight goals in the first period, four in the second, and none in the third. What was the final score? Uh, twelve to something. We lost. What if it was 12-11? It was close. You you pitched a shutout in the third. I did. I had, I had a couple really good glove saves, you know, baseball player. You know. Tell everyone that. Tell everyone it was, it was 12-11 and, and your team just couldn't pull it out for you. All right. If people are still listening, let us know what you think the final score was. If you think it's 12-11, say good job, Jordy. If you think it was 13-12 and then I got the win, say you're the man. Let us know. Jordy, Jordy, you're the man. I don't even think I'm listening at this point. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, we uh, probably should wrap this thing up. Greg, thank you so much for doing this. I'm glad we were able to uh, still pull it out. I thought uh, we kept on, on having to push it back because that pesky thing called work got in the way. Monday night didn't work, and now we did it Tuesday into Wednesday morning. But, Greg, it's always a pleasure to have you on. Jordy. It's just great to talk to you, spend time with you, hear that magic golden voice. And uh, for all those haters out there, Jared, please go cry me a river. <laughs> oh, man. Just kidding. You're awesome. He is all awesome, right. dude. He is a great guy. Big he had a nice heart-to-heart the other night. Nice. I'm a big fan of his. Um just a little, little playful ribbing. I thought yeah. that we're on that level, but I guess I'm just the asshole who uh, who knows no bounds. Knows no bounds. Shit happens, I guess. All right, Jordy. All right, buddy. Well, everybody, go subscribe to the podcast. Search the bullpen cart on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter. ThunderBLG is the handle there. Join our Facebook group, the Bullpen Cart Podcast. Be a part of the conversation. Did not post a questions feed tonight. Got to get better at that. But be a part of the conversation. Let us know what you want to hear from us. Like we mentioned, we got comments on the blog, thunderblogsports.com, saying you guys are Phillies fans, you're Red Sox fans. Talk about your teams. Lead off with that. That's why we've started to do that on the baseball show. Why we let off with the Eastern Conference tonight. So your voice can be heard. Be a part of that. Greg, thank you again. Everybody, have a great week. We will be back at some point this week with baseball content. One last final word, Jordy. The Bru- the Red Sox are one game out of the playoffs, the, the new playoffs. The Phillies fucked up tonight, blew a ninth-inning lead, 
lost 10-9 right. in extra innings to the to the Orioles. So, uh, depressing yeah. stuff. Hey, been there. Spencer Howard made his debut. We'll talk about that, I'm sure, in the uh, whatever we do baseball content. With that note, Jordy, I say to you, good night. Go Flyers. I hope I hope you guys win in four. I hope you lose zero games. God damn, you're fucking cursing us. <laughs> oh, fuck, you're like the you're like NBC Sports. Everybody picks the Flyers. I didn't even mention that when we talked about the Flyers series. NBC Sports picked them all. They're gonna fucking lose. It's a depression, Greg. I'm a sucker for this team. Anyway. Oh God. What? what? What's the oh God? Yeah, your home, home, uh, home. Orange and road whites ready to go. I wear black oh. for every Flyers game since the Bruins three zero comeback. I wear black for Flyers playoff games. It's worked. <laughs> it hasn't worked. They haven't won a playoff series since two thousand twelve. In playoffs, we were black, huh? Great Mean Girls reference, and they play on a Wednesday. <laughs> Should I wear pink? I don't know. I don't have a pink. I don't have pink Flyers apparel. My mom does, Ooh. but I don't know. Ooh, yeah. I think we need a picture. I think we need a picture of you and your mom's pink flyer gear. I, there, I think there actually is. That's a really good point, Greg. You're so protective. Put put it on the Thunderblog. Hey, oh. Uh, anyway, that is actually going to do it. Have a great week, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Go Flyers. Go Flyers. Fuck you. <laughs>